What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. August is when many of us commemorate Black August, and so Law and Disorder is bringing you some Black August resistance programming. Last week, we interviewed one of the holders of the Black August legacy and co-founder of the Black August Organizing Committee, Mama Ayana Mashama. You can catch that interview in the archives at kpfa.org. Today, we are joined this morning by Kalanji Jamachenga, an organizer, founder of the FTP movement, the co-chair of Urban Survival and Preparedness Institute, co-founder of Black Power Media. He is also the author of the best-selling book, How to Build a People's Army, and co co-producer of the documentary Organizing in is the New Cool, and my brother and comrade. Good morning, Kalanji. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Hey, 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 Cat Brooks, my favorite, uh, favorite, favorite, favorite radio host on the planet right now. How you feeling? <laughs> I will take that. That's going to get my Monday off to a good start. Uh, Kalanji, we are doing some educational folks about Black August, right, uh, in, in the face of so much misuse um, of, of the phrase uh, Black August. In your own words, what is Black August? What is Black August? Black August is a commemoration. It is a, um, of course, it's the 44th year. Um, to me, it is, a, uh, it is a hot homage to political prisoners. It is a... Uh, a, a month of reflection, um, and excuse me, let me rewind that. It is a year of reflection. It starts during this particular month. Um, it is a reminder to us, uh, those of us who have been fighting for decades, what it is to resist, reminds us what a freedom fighter is and isn't, and, um, you know, and, and it's something that, that uh, won't be co-opted while we still breathe. What a freedom fighter is and isn't. Say more. Man, listen, you know, right now we, we live in an era where uh, the nonprofit industrial complex runs amok. And I think mm-hmm. that folks think that if, um, if there's not a check involved, if there's not a blue check next to your name, then they're not checking <laughs> for you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the reality is uh, we live in a time where Social media dictates your reality. You know, we live in a time where uh, you have to be a part of the club in order to exist. And, you know, the, the, the morals and the standards and the foundation of, of, uh, of movement in our liberation struggle has damn near been decimated. You know, so mm. Black August for me, and I'm sure for you as well, because I think that Part of the reason we started working together was around mm-hmm. the Black August Organizing Committee, you know, and yep. we say rising power to our, our, our OG Shaka Thinen, yes. um, who I have learned from, uh, along with OG Kamasi. These are brothers, um, as well as Mamayana and, and sisters, who have dedicated their lives to our liberation. And for me, seeing them and seeing some of these uh, uh, movements that only exist online, only exist when it's time for a fundraising situation, you know, it is, it's a, it's, it's a, um, you know, it, 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 it puts things into perspective, you know, and, I, and I'm grateful that we came up in the era that we came up in because of the fact that we're able to um, identify 
fool's gold or pyrite and not be confused with gold. Kalanji, you actually segued to something I was going to ask you about later, um, and that is uh, around our connection to the Black August Organizing Committee, where we met and specifically our relationship to Baba Shaka Ethan, and he transitioned in 2022, and I never felt like I gave him his proper honors on the show. Um, talk to us about who he was and what you believe his legacy to be. Okay. Um, I met OG Shaka uh, in 2004. I was actually speaking at Berkeley, and I was brought to his home. Um, uh, I believe I rode with uh, Terha and Che. I was brought, we, uh, I was introduced by someone else. And, um, you know, it took him, took, took me to his home. And, you know, I didn't know much about him prior, but, you know, I sat and I listened and he thought I was a part of another organization. So he wasn't too friendly at first. But then, you know, as we talked, he realized, I'm like, oh, you thought I was such and such. And we got cool from there, let's just say that. But he was the chairman um, in which we served under of the Black August Organized Committee for a few decades, I believe. Um, he was a brother that was committed. He was a brother who I, I recall my first uh, official commemoration of Black August staying at his house where he had over 200 people, natives outside, camped out in the backyard, uh, there was a uh, uh, an RV full of natives. There was folks sleeping on the floor everywhere, and there was like one bathroom. And yeah. folks had traveled all over the place. <laughs> you had to go through his bedroom to get to the bathroom. But folks had traveled yeah. all over the place to just uh, be in his presence and to learn from him. You know, um, he was a a no nonsense brother. He was a brother who I would say that um, that. Uh, you know, for practical purposes, uh, had PTSD. You know what I'm saying from 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 this war, from this liberation war. But his commitment was was unquestionable. Um, I remember going to a number of different places, just writing political prisoners, just going to get stamps. Just, I mean, a day in a life with him was all about fighting on behalf of our people, talking about liberation. So. Um, you know, to wrap up your, your initial question, um, OG Shaka to me um, is an unsung hero. He is a brother who, who like many of our OGs and many of us as comrades, you know, we are an acquired taste. I tell folks all the time, I'm like that first <laughs> bit of whiskey. You know what I'm saying? You know, you're like, ooh, what is this? And then after a while, if you're into drinks, you'll find that, that drink of choice. And I think that's who OG Shaka was. OG Shaka, um, his spirit, his lineage, um, his friendship, and his camaraderie—you um, know—is one that uh, that I think he'll be recognized in years to come. I don't think that, and to your point about him not you not giving him his his, his proper credit, I don't think any of us have um, even quite understood who Shaka Fenton was just yet. Yeah, I've been reflecting a lot during Black August about his impact on me and my politics and even the formation of APTP and, and how I run things and um, it's deep, right? Like it's really deep yeah. and I'm so grateful I got to sit at his feet at that big table at the house oh, yeah. in North, yeah. North Oakland. Um, and, and the seriousness, right? The seriousness with which he took our struggle is, is forever infused right. inside of my DNA. And, and how he brought Kalan us all together. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say how you brought us all together because you have folks like Azadeh and 
and Carol and, and Terra and Shay and the folks down in LA, Sadiqi and all these other folks, how we all united and actually formed a united front back in 2009 in LA. And I think that yeah. might've been one of the first times I came across you, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. you know, it, it's, just, it's just that beauty and to see you, and I'm going to give you your credit on air right now to see your incredible growth. And I'm saying that not as, you know, as if I'm someone that can just, I'm just saying, let me give you your flowers because of the fact that I've seen you just become like a powerful force in our movement. And I want to say that on air so there's no confusion. Uh, thank you, brother. I feel the same way. Kalanji, we touched on this just a little bit, but one of the things we've seen in recent years is the commodification of Black August or the degradation of what Black August means. I remember seeing a flyer for a Black August fish fry that was happening in the middle of the day when we were supposed to be fasting. What does that say to you, and what do we need to do to combat that? Man, it, it's, 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 as Wu-Tang would say, it's rough like Timberland Wear. Um, you know, <laughs> looking, you know, I, I, I literally... You know, I, I have been like a, a almost like a watchdog because, you know, learning from these OGs and, and a number of other different folks who are still, quote unquote, um, held behind enemy lines, right? Learning what Black August was because, mind you, coming from the East Coast, I wasn't, like many, we had a cursory glance of what Black August was or what we thought Black August was. We just, we just gave it all to hip hop. Right. But to learn from these, these comrades and to see what's taking place right now, literally, I think this is the first year where I just said to myself, look, step back. You know, you can uh, you clear the air when you get the microphone, but it, it's no need to to chase and hunt folks down. When I said earlier um, mm. that they're not going to co-opt it on our watch, I simply mean that as long as we have voices, we will continue to um, spread the revolutionary gospel of Black August resistance. It is not a, it's not a celebration. It's not, as you said, a, a fish fry or a barbecue. I've seen Black August strip club joints here in Atlanta. I see Black August, um, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, barbecues and Black August this and that and so on and so forth. And there are even organizations who are supposed to be principles who know better that would mm -hmm. rather act like they don't know than to deal with the folks who actually know i'm not calling myself an expert black august i served as the east coast coordinator for but hey, hey well I'm, I'm i'm grateful i would just say i i learned and i am i continue to be a student of um you know of, of black august resistance and i pray that i that i represent it well because this is like you know, we already know that it, the, the seriousness of this, of the, the nature, you know, Black August is thought of as gang activity. It's on the gang index. You understand what I'm saying? So the state wants to criminalize because folks aren't supporting the, the prison canteens, because folks aren't uh, uh, supporting capitalism, because we're fasting, because we're talking about uh, uh, resistance and study and practice and training. They want to call that a criminal act. You know, we know um, that it's further from the truth. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. You mentioned our our 
brothers and sisters behind enemy lines in American concentration camps, you and I are free to say we are commemorating Black August, to talk about our Black August practices, talk about what it means for our folks on the other side of the wall to engage in this practice. No doubt. Um, Before I do that, I would like to say shout out to Rochelle McGee, who is home this Black August finally after doing 67 years in prison. One of the reasons we actually commemorate Black August because of Rochelle McGee and the Jonathan Jackson situation on August 7th, 1970. Um, yes, our brothers uh, and sisters behind the walls, we know that Black August, uh, you know, uh, when, it, when it started, I believe there was like 13 uh, prisons in the state of California. Now it's like well over 30 something. Um, you know, these are brothers and sisters who have been um, keeping up, keeping the torch. You know what I mean? And who have been practicing and in many cases penalized. I remember a couple of years ago, a few years ago, um, when the state of California were, was putting uh, over 300 brothers and sisters inside of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the holes of the shoes for, for, uh, for, for just practicing, for just saying that they are commemorating Black August because they were getting caught with Black August paraphernalia. Again, they, they deemed it gang activity. But the reality is, as you know, the prison system is 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 an experiment. It is a uh, you know, folks say the new Jim Crow is not a new Jim Crow. It's the same old two step with a remix on it. You understand what I'm saying? They just put some they just put some T Pain on it. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is, it's the same garbage. It's the same uh, uh, mess. And our brothers, you know who have been engaged in, in prison organizing. I salute them because of the fact that, you know, it's folks like George Jackson, Katari Golden, and others, uh, the W.L. Nolans, et cetera, and, and so many others, the Kamasis, and so many others who are, are to this day still organizing behind the walls. They're the reasons why a lot of our quote-unquote freedom fighters who were on the outside, when they were bagged or locked up, um, they were protected and safeguarded because of that prison movement. And we can never, ever forget our brothers and sisters who are political prisoners um, and those who are uh, who go in and, and become politicized once they, uh, you know, once they get behind the wall. So, you know, to them, I say salute. And, uh, you know, we are inspired by, you know, our comrades who uh, not only laid the foundation, but who are continue continuously uh, moving us a step forward. And we say that there can be no reparations without the freedom of our political prisoners. So again, if you're talking about reparations, you're not talking about political prisoners, you ain't talking about nothing. And a shout out to the brothers and sisters that listen to this show uh, every morning. Uh, We appreciate y'all, we're thinking about y'all. Um, Kalanji, you just, you mentioned this and I read an interview you did in 2021 where you were talking about what it meant to be a political prisoner. And there's the political prisoner who was literally, this is what you just said. There's the political prisoners literally sitting in prison because of their political activity. But talk to us about the brothers and sisters who get politicized inside of prison and then become political prisoners because they get criminalized for their political orientation. No doubt. So you have folks, you know, you got, uh, uh, folks who are, um, you know, we have the political prisoners, but then we have the quote unquote social prisoners, right? So who are who are all to a degree political prisoners because of the conditions that have been created uh in order for them to be railroaded and trafficked inside of the camps. 
um, when we talk about political prisoners like the ones you talk talking about, we think of El Haj Malik Shabazz, Malcolm X. We think of folks like George Jackson, who came in, who went in, um, deemed a a pariah to society, at least by the state, and then um, they transformed. You know, so again, some folks don't look at them as political prisoners. But indeed, they are political prisoners because they are two, just George and, 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 and Malcolm alone are two of our greatest that have ever done it. You know, so to me, I identify more with those type of political prisoners only because of the fact that I come from a particular environment that produces the Malcolm X's, the George Jackson's, but also the Fred Hampton's, the Mumia's, uh, the Darubas, um, the Sekou's. Mm the Jalils, and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, indeed, there, there are different types of political prisoners, two types of political prisoners in in, uh, in particular. And in our last 90 seconds together, my brother, what are your Black August practices looking like this month? Well, right now, um, of course, you know, it's, it's the usual fasting, uh, it's the reflection. Um, you know, I, I want to shout out my son, Kayvon. He, he just lost... Uh, his mother, my um, my uh, son's mother, just made her transition uh, while we were so at the Matula Shakur transition at the Matula Shakur Shakur uh, mm-hmm. Memorial. So I'm 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 in mourning right now because uh, you know she mm-hmm. was a great woman, a, a, a an excellent woman. My son is 29. Uh, he just had his first child, so she was able to meet her granddaughter, her first grandchild, and she made her transition 13 days later. So. Um, right now I'm, I'm, I'm traveling and, um, you know, hoping that folks can keep, um, you know, us in, in, in the prayers and in the thoughts and that, um, sure. you know, we're going to continue to resist, man. That's, that's, that's what my black August is looking like so far. Condolences for your loss, my brother, you and your family are definitely in our present and thoughts. And if there's anything that we can do, right, just just reach out. Kalanji, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you, Kat. Keep up the great work. And uh, I love you. Be safe. Love you, too, brother. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>